are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot, or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Elf, which came out in 2003. It was directed by John Favreau. It stars Will Ferrell, James Caan, Bob Newhart, Ed Asner, Mary Steenburgen, Faison Love, Daniel Tay, Peter Dinklage, and Zoe Deschanel. The genre would be Christmas comedy. No human being has ever set foot in Santa's workshop. Uh, that is, until Buddy. I hear you're going on a journey to the big city. Can't wait to see my dad. This might be the opportunity to find out who you really are. Papa says New York is pretty different. You look like you came from the North Pole. That's exactly where I came from. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. Yep, this is one of the good ones for sure. Ever since the early 90s box office explosion of Home Alone and the Santa Claus... Hollywood has just cranked out so many attempts at madcap Christmas-themed comedies, which have just seemed to double down on the snarkiness and the cartoon hijinks at the center of those movies, at the expense of, well, actual heart, and even some wit. So many. Christmas with the Cranks, Four Christmases, Jack Frost, Jingle All the Way, Fred Claus, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Surviving Christmas. Just too many to list. And that's not even including all of the cheaper stuff from Hallmark. But strangely, it took the deft touch from a fellow member of the tribe, my tribe I'm talking about, to show everyone else how to get it done. Yep, John Favreau, who like myself doesn't even technically celebrate Christmas, well he directed a fanciful Christmas comedy which really does walk such a delicate tightrope with a fish-out-of-water protagonist that could have been positively creepy in the wrong hands. And gratefully, those hands are those of Will Ferrell, the active SNL wonderkind at the time, who had just broken out with his first big studio comedy earlier that same year, Old School. Ferrell is fantastic, and he brings just the right tonal balance to this character. Good morning, Sarah. It's a nice purple dress. It's very purpley. Francisco? How's it going, Mr. Hobbs? Francisco, that's fun to say. Francisco. Hi! Hi! Do you remember me? I do, I didn't recognize you. I know, I'm in work clothes. Thank you, Deborah. Thanks, Deb. Deb, you have such a pretty face, you should be on a Christmas card. You just made my day. Even beyond Farrell's performance, the screenplay by David Berenbaum gives his character Buddy just the right amount of depth while never pushing too hard for sympathy. The film never gets maudlin, as we can easily see just how damn irritating Buddy can be, especially from the perspective of the late, great James Kahn, who plays his dad. And Khan is pretty good, even though his role is kind of thankless. I mean, you just kind of keep waiting for him to just blow up because he's because he's Khan. And by the time it finally does happen late in the movie, you do actually feel like it's justified. The rest of the supporting cast all do their jobs well, often playing straight men to Feral, but almost always with a twinkle in their eyes. You also have fun support from Faison Love as the comically exasperated store manager. What's this? 
This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. Mary Steenburgen as James Conn's put-upon wife. The late, great Ed Asner playing Santa. I've been to New York thousands of times. Really? What's it like? Well, there are some things you should know. First off, you see gum on the street, leave it there. It's not free candy. Second, there are like 30 raised pizzas. They all claim to be the original, but the real one's on 11th. And even Zoe Deschanel, who admittedly I have often found quite irritating in other films. But here, she's quite endearing as Farrell's love interest, Jovi. And yes, she even has a lovely voice. We'll get to that a bit later. Using Rankin-based type stop-motion animation to visualize the North Pole, it's also pretty inspired, setting a whimsical tone from the get-go. And that whimsy carries through the Manhattan setting for most of the rest of the movie. I really dug most of the New York jokes. Now, not every gag lands perfectly, but the film still floats along with just the right sort of sweet tone. Reach out in front of you and, and, and take a sip. I want to go play Don't look. hide and seek. I want to go and bounce the moon well? just like a toy. It balloon. tastes like a crappy cup of coffee. <laughs> you yeah. and I are it is a crappy like cup of coffee. No, it's the world's best cup of coffee. And this brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Amidst a soundtrack filled with holiday cheer, thanks to several retro Christmas standards, and also along with a buoyant score from composer John Debney, there is still one standout needle drop for me. And it's a diegetic needle drop, meaning that it's sung by a character in the movie. And of course, it's the obvious one, which I alluded to just earlier. In one early scene, we see Jovi singing in the employee shower just before work is to start. And she's singing, Baby, It's Cold Outside. This also happens to be one of those rare Christmas songs which actually have zero mention of Christmas among their lyrics. Just the way it is. But that's okay, because this song has still become a Christmas standard since the time it was first written and performed in 1944 by the late, great Frank Losher. He was a legendary songwriter for both the stage and screen who most famously created the songbook for the musical Guys and Dolls. As we hear Jovi's voice spreading on the floor nearby as she's singing, Buddy wanders into the women's locker room and sits atop a nearby sink just to hear more. And he even starts to sing along. I wish I knew how to break the spell I'll take your hat, your hair I ought to say no, no, no Mind if I move in At least I'm gonna say that I tried What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't stay Baby, it's cold outside And it's a lovely little duet, even though Jovi is justifiably startled to hear him just outside of the shower. He doesn't know any better. And he's not peeking in, by the way. Buddy, of course, leaves the locker room to give her privacy, but from this point on, we see their romance blossom after first bonding via song. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Oh, right, there was actually one prominent supporting cast member who I have not yet mentioned, and that would be Oak Park, Illinois' native son, the legendary Bob Newhart. And in Elf, he is doing what he does best. 
playing the straight man as Papa Elf, who is pretty much Buddy's father figure at the North Pole. And in the first act of the movie, Newhart is pretty great, along with also being the pseudo-narrator, which he also does with perfect deadpan. That's kind of his style. So Buddy stayed with a, an older elf who had always wanted a child, but had been so committed to building toys, he, he well, had forgotten to, to settle down. Santa! Yes, yes, I, I raised Buddy. I was his adopted father. The 93-year-old Newhart has been an entertainment fixture going back more than 70 years, since he first appeared as a comedian on The Ed Sullivan Show in the late 40s. I actually grew up watching Bob Newhart star on four different television series. The Bob Newhart Show, Newhart, Bob, and George and Leo. Yeah, take a wild guess as to which one of those shows had the shortest run. Well, now you're probably asking as to why he is cited in this category. And that's because with as long of a storied career as Newhart has had, he rarely appeared in movies. Rarely appears in movies. He's still with us. Maybe 10 feature films over the past 60 years. Newhart has always been much more of a TV guy. I've only seen him in about three films myself. Uh, this, Horrible Bosses, and in and out He's great in all of them. And as far as I'm concerned, it is always a treat to see Bob Newhart bring his rare blend of drollness and subdued warmth to the big screen. Seeing him in full-on elf garb, surrounded by stop-motion animation, telling stories to Farrell is one of the film's highlights. And I truly hope that he has at least one more big screen appearance left in him. Keep plugging away, Bob. The next category would be the trailer moment. Now, even though I can acknowledge that the general premise of this scene might be a bit misguided or dated, might even be offensive to some folks, I have to admit that my favorite scene has always been that boardroom meeting featuring an actor who I've enjoyed in just about everything he has done, especially his multiple Emmy-winning performance as Tyrion Lannister on Game of Thrones. Yep, I'm talking about the Dink, of course, Peter Dinklage. And this came out in 2003, which was a true breakout year for him, as he also starred in the highly acclaimed and truly winning indie comedy drama The Station Agent earlier that year. Definitely want to review that one. Of course, Dinklage only has one scene in this movie as Miles Finch, a publishing magnate who is also having an important meeting with Cons Walter, who runs his own publishing firm, as they are negotiating a merger. This is clearly a very important meeting for Walter, as it seems to be going smoothly until... Farrell's buddy shows up unexpectedly. He's just excited, and he wants to tell his dad that he's in love. And because Buddy himself happens to be one of Santa's real elves, and all of the rest of the elves that he knows look more like Miles with his diminutive stature, well, guess who he mistakes Miles for? Yep, and chaos ensues. I didn't know you had elves working here. Oh. Boy, you're, you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't... Uh... Get, get back to the story, please. Uh, <clears throat> so, on the cover above the title. Does Santa know that you left the workshop? You know, we're all laughing our heads off. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here? Buddy, go back to the basement. Hey, Jackweed, I get more action in a week than you've had your entire life. I've got houses in LA, Paris, and Vail. Oh. Each one of them with a 70-inch plasma screen. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf one more time. This occurs late in the movie, and another bonus is that the scene pays off with what any longtime James Conn fan has been expecting for 70-plus minutes up until this point. You get the hell out of here. Where do you want me to go? I don't care where you go. 
I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life now. Just a truly fun, memorable scene. This brings me to the final category, which would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Will Ferrell is not only boisterously funny as the titular elf, I mean, he predictably nails all of the physical comedy, as he had been doing famously on both TV and movies for years. But he's also just so damn likable, playing the sort of child in a man's body that has been much more challenging for stronger actors from Tom Hanks to Brad Pitt. He actually makes it look easy. And yes, we could easily envision Ferrell playing the same sort of character for a skit on SNL. But it's not just a one-note character. This character has depth and feeling. Overall, Will Ferrell brings both heart and comedy to the title character in one of his best overall performances. And for that reason, he is the MVP. You know, I know I sound like a broken record, but we are buddies. You're my best friend. That's it. You're my best friend. You know, buddy, You're nobody my best around here listens to me. I yeah. got really good ideas. I believe it. I know. I'm right. I listen to you. You have great ideas. I, I just try to go to the flow, you good. know? Go with the flow. Yeah. Go with the flow. No, I got to get out of the flow. Well, then get out I'm of in the flow. flow. That's what got me here. Oh. I gotta, I'm 26 years old. I got nothing to show. You're young. You're so young. <sighs> my papa, yeah. he didn't make Master Tinker until he was 490. My rating for Elf would be four stars out of five. Bottom line, Favreau and Farrell and crew simply have delivered one of the best Christmas comedies for the whole family. 19 years later, it still holds up. And if you're looking to watch Elf, it is currently streaming on HBO Max. And that ends another Ray's Original review. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast and to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe and share the Living for the Cinema podcast and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.